0: This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you been struggling lately? Maybe you're having trouble sleeping, difficulty with the relationship, or just suffering from low self-esteem. If so, then BetterHelp wants to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You get to talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network, and they give you access to help that may not be available in your area. You just need to fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Join the 2 million-plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. And there's a special offer to Nowhere to be Found listeners. You'll get 10% off of your first month, but only if you go through the link or type in betterhelp.com slash n-t-b-f for Nowhere to be Found. That's better, h-e-l-p dot com slash n-t-b-f. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. And you can find the link in our show notes and on our website, NowhereToBeFoundPodcast.com. I'm your host, Amanda Papineau, and this is Nowhere To Be Found. So, while I was on my break from the podcast, I did a lot of soul searching on what I wanted for the podcast and how I wanted to grow from where we started. I realized that there's so much of in my investigations that don't make it onto the podcast because it doesn't happen during an interview. So, I want to bring you all in on the entire experience I had while looking into Shane's case. I talk to tons of people who don't end up doing an interview, and I call around. I've made calls to people I never would have guessed I'd be calling and I asked questions I never would have imagined asking. I'm going to do my best to fill you in on some of those conversations, but I do need to be a little careful on that end. Betraying the trust of people who are helpful and are giving you information is not a smart move. So in some situations, I'll be leaving names out to protect people's privacy. I hope you all can understand that. When I first talked to Misty, I got a contact list that the family had put together, and it had addresses of both Shane's new property and the old one. It had all the law enforcement contacts that they had up to that point, and all of Shane's family contacts. And then it had the names of the last four to see Shane, Crystal, Eric, Ray Ray, and Justin. It had Justin's phone number, and also the phone number of the owner of the job site that Shane was working at the day that he went missing. So the first thing I did with that list was I text Justin, and I asked if he'd be willing to talk to me. He politely declined and told me that he didn't think it was a good idea to tell his story. But I noticed with Justin that even when he declined to speak with me, he left the door kind of open by saying, unless you want to talk about football, which was unexpected. A couple days later, I texted him back and said, okay, let's talk about football. We talked about football and other small talk for weeks. More on this later. While Shane's family was in Oregon in May of 2022, they went to Shane's property and they spoke to Ray Ray, who was one of the last four people to see Shane. And he gave them his theories on what went on that day. I got to talk extensively with them about this conversation. And when they returned to their car, they took excellent notes. Here's how they break it down. Ray says that Tuesday, the day Shane went missing, he brought Shane an envelope with drugs in it. Ray's main theory was, was that maybe a cougar attacked Shane, and he says he actually saw tracks near Shane's truck when they first found it. Remember, it was Ray, Crystal, and Justin that found Shane's truck on Thursday, two days after he went missing. Ray also told them that Crystal and Eric were planning on buying Shane's old property together. This is interesting and actually has been confirmed by Shane's realtor. According to the family and the MLS searches I did, though, Shane's property was not listed for sale. Ray told them the day Shane went missing, he handed Shane the envelope with drugs, they smoked a joint together, and then Shane told him that he was going back to work. Ray says he was planning to go up to Cougar Dam to look for blue quartz rocks or something of that nature. Ray says he wants to make it clear that he did not take money from Shane for drugs. He's just delivering it for a friend. He is not a drug dealer. He says Crystal used to be his drinking buddy, but since Shane's been gone, they don't party like they used to. He says he never saw Justin the day Shane went missing. He isn't sure if Eric was there, but he doesn't feel anybody who was there that day has any idea what happened to Shane, and this isn't a case of foul play. He thinks there's a good chance that Shane either fell in the woods got attacked by a cougar, or maybe died of hypothermia. So with all that said, of course, for each story in this case, there is someone else who seems to be saying the exact opposite. For example, I've heard from multiple sources that Ray is absolutely a known drug dealer. And that's what I'm trying to say. In this case, it's impossible to figure out who's telling the truth and who isn't, because for every statement, there is at least one person who tells me the complete opposite. All I can do is keep collecting information and see if credible and not credible sources reveal themselves. I want to make it clear that just because someone told me something doesn't mean that it's a fact. This is just what I was told. Almost every local I talk to tells me that Shane and Crystal both use meth pretty regularly. I've been told it's not uncommon for Shane to disappear for a few days at a time on little benders but he's also pretty reliable with his job and seems to be able to separate the two parts of his life pretty well. Crystal's an alcoholic and is rarely sober, I hear. Same goes for Ray after about midday. Justin and Crystal had a similar pill addiction. They've been known to use fentanyl and are friendly with the local dealer. I wanna say, I don't like to accuse anyone of anything without proof. But something I have heard is that Crystal's been accused of trying to poison her first husband. He apparently confronted her about putting rat poison in his pre-workout powder, and they ended up getting divorced back in 1994. I've been told that Justin was fired by Shane two days before he disappeared. I've been told that Ray may be making drugs instead of just selling them. And that's really just the beginning. I've been talking to people for months now. It was so helpful for me that by the time I started to look into Shane's case, his family already had a serious foundation of contacts and notes going. Something I asked for was the list of people that helped search for Shane within the first week he was missing. They only had first names, but with a little digging, I was able to find most of them on some platform of social media. I was especially interested in getting in contact with a woman on the list named Megan because Misty had said that while they were searching, Justin was chatting with Megan for most of the time. I was so curious what they were talking about while they were searching. I reached out to Megan and she was great. She said she would try to answer any questions that I had, anything she could do to help really. And that started what would become a several month long conversation.
1: Hi, I'm Megan, and I live in Mackenzie Bridge. Um, Well, I know Shane through Justin. Um, I know Justin a lot better than Shane and Crystal. Um, I know Shane through multiple friends in the small community. Um, Like I had uh, told you in the beginning, Elisha is a very good friend of mine, and she did Shane's taxes. So there was lots of different connections there, lots of properties he'd worked on and events that I would see him at. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was, from my understanding, just a great friend to people. He was a good guy. I just didn't have a bad thing to say about him. And usually, you know, even your best friend, there's times when you're like, eh, screw them, I don't like them.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> N- I never heard that from Justin, never got that, like, he was just attached <laughs> at the hip.
0: <laughs> that's so interesting. Okay, and so let's go back. So Shane and Justin, you, um, you know Justin a little bit better, and that's just from this town. I don't think people quite understand how small Mackenzie Bridge is. It's oh. <laughs> tiny. Like, I live in L.A., and there's nothing like that around here. <laughs> so <laughs> tell me a little bit about Mackenzie Bridge.
1: Um, it, up here in Mackenzie Bridge, uh, the town is literally named after a bridge that the highway goes over. Yeah, that goes over the Mackenzie. And we have one little general store, and we have a pub. Um, there's a few different. Resort type places here, but it's mostly residential. And I can't even say that a thousand people live in and around Mackenzie Bridge. Honestly,
0: wow, I'm, I'm not, not even, sure. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I know there are a lot of people that kind of stop in. It's more of a place that you would drive through. Like for me personally, the drive from Eugene to Bend. Mm -hmm. Out that way, you know, that might be a time that I might come through that area. And other than that, I used to camp in Blue River. That's a pretty common, you know, camping spot. But other than that, there's not a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to vacation in Mackenzie Bridge. Like it's just a passer through (laughs) type of town for most people, right?
1: Right, yeah, we don't have a stoplight in this town.
0: Yeah, Yeah, so you've heard the saying, you know, one stoplight town. This is a no-stoplight town. Yes, yeah, we
1: have no stoplights. Yes,
0: but it's so quaint, and there's actually something really great about that, um, especially in case of somebody going missing, is that everybody knows everybody. Maybe a little bit too well.
1: Yes. (laughs) everybody knows your business
0: here yes and (laughs) even
1: the business you don't know you have
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can totally see that and something else that kind of sets you guys apart is you guys have kind of a um we'll call it like a united trauma because in 2020 you had a uh, forest fire that ripped through that town and just really devastating damage burnt houses down to the ground businesses right just about everything
1: yeah it um wiped blue river off the map is what it did um it was like a hundred thousand acre fire in a night um so yeah definitely the community really came together after that like a lot more we've always been close because we don't have police here um we have, you know, a few ambulance and fire trucks, but we have each other and um, we've all been close. Your neighbors are over for dinner and you hang out and you go play board games and we play bingo at the pub together. Um, so, yeah, the fire really brought a lot of us a lot closer um, and a lot of us met people we didn't know lived here. It's very interesting that <laughs> there's so many people that you don't know live here.
0: Yeah. And Shane, too, was one of those people that had everything. He lost everything in that fire.
1: Yeah, yeah. he lost everything. It was all gone. Um, down to the car that I don't know if his dad had bought it for him or with him. They had worked on it. Um, That's just a shell. Everything is gone.
0: That's so devastating. And so... Basically what ended up happening. So his him and his wife, Crystal, um, their house burns down in 2020. And then what they set up like a camp or what was the deal with the camp? Like a, a FEMA camp, is it?
1: Um, There is a FEMA camp here at the Basketball Academy, but I don't know if Shane and Crystal were a part of that. Um, I don't remember. I know that a lot of people were in town. Um, right after the fire that lost their houses and then fema was setting people up um i don't remember what they did after the fire i know it was really uh, it's interesting because i had seen crystal a week or two before the fire and she was going through a pretty bad alcohol binge situation Mm -hmm. and uh that was just horrible timing because the fire happened and it seemed to just explode their entire relationship um hmm. from my understanding she left
0: yes several so, times i've heard
1: yeah that mm-hmm. was what i was told was that she had left him um and i had seen him a few times and honestly when i saw him he did not look the healthiest mm-hmm. but he, Given the circumstances, you know, sure, um, not a lot of us looked that great, but yeah, you know, it was just it was a little different with him and Justin as well. Justin had struggled before the fire, um, and it definitely got worse after that.
0: Yeah, well, and it's interesting because Justin is from Shane's hometown, so Hutchinson, Minnesota, is also a very small town. And he, I'm not exactly sure what the details are on that, because there is an age gap. Shane's 47 and Justin's 34. So, you know, everyone's like, oh, best friends, best friends. Originally, I was thinking like, oh, they're high school buddies or something like that. But apparently not, because there's an age gap there. But at some point, um, after Shane had already established himself, Justin moved out to Mackenzie Bridge. Is that right? Right.
1: Yeah, and that's when I met Justin, was not long. He, I was actually at uh, Michael Miller's,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Justin was next door at the neighbor Ray Ray's, and that's when I met him.
0: Okay. It
1: was not long after he had moved here. Hmm. Oh, yeah, you know Ray Ray. I'm sorry. Ray Ray.
0: I know Ray Ray. <laughs> I know Ray Ray. Um, <laughs> Ray Ray. I haven't actually talked to Ray Ray myself, but I know a fair amount about him, it seems. Yeah. Um,
1: I'd recommend talking to him in the morning before he has a chance
0: to open a bottle. (laughs) I would love to talk to him at any time of day. (laughs) Um, But that has not been in the cards quite yet. Mm. Um, Okay. So let's, so let's go back. So Shane, you know, the house burns down. He ends up in in this, they buy another property is actually what happens. So they buy a second property. They end up living in their trailer, On this property, which is about 10 minutes or so from the old property.
1: Yeah, if that. If Um, that, okay. So they were up above Blue River originally, uh, the town of Blue River, and now they're, uh, well, uh, the property is just right across from the high school in Blue River now.
0: Okay. So So they they... didn't
1: go very far.
0: Yeah, they Uh, were kind of fortunate that they were able to get that property and, and set that up. Not everybody was that fortunate
1: yeah hardly anybody was honestly um yeah they were very fortunate,
0: okay, and so um so from there, you know they they we know that they struggle with addiction um it sounds like crystal perhaps slightly more than Shane I mean it's not really a race, but she she's certainly um She definitely
1: had way more of a struggle than Shane with shit, for sure. Shane seemed to feel guilty about his drug use, where Crystal was flamboyant about it. She had no shame.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I've actually kind of experienced that with her as well. So (laughs) that's not... amazing. Yes, it is an interesting situation, to say the least. Um, Right?
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: So when you first... Okay, so that happened. They're on this property for a while, actually over a year, and then Justin lives on the property with them, and Ray Ray lives on the property with them, right? So the four of them are, like...
1: Um, Well, I think Ray Ray... So from what... Ray Ray came and went, he also had his own little cab over trailer on where the museum property used to be, which is just right around the corner from Shane's old property and where Ray Ray used to live across the street from Shane.
0: So um, they don't live on the same property. Like his trailer is actually somewhere else.
1: Um, but he also has a FEMA trailer at the FEMA camp here at the basketball Academy. So I could honestly see him coming and going. I know that he was, around Crystal and Justin all the time.
0: Hmm. Okay. So those, okay. So and that is such a unique situation. Like here, here is five adults, really, because then we have this, this fourth person, Eric, kind of thrown into the mix. But here are these, these five adults that are kind of living in very close proximity, coming and going off the same property, at least Shane seems to be the only one holding down a full-time job at the time that he went missing. Um, Justin, I know, was doing some work for him and also for Mike. Um, But Shane really actually has a business going. Is that what your impression was?
1: Yeah, he is a general contractor and has a successful business. I know a lot of people here who have had different things done that they were happy with. Okay. The work that had been done. I'd never heard a complaint.
0: Well, that's nice.
1: Yeah, that's kind of surprising with so anyone because yeah. somebody's going to complain about something. <laughs>
0: so if he was having some addiction issues, he certainly was the high functioning type.
1: Yes, and I don't think that um, it was constant for him. My understanding with Shane is that you know he would buy some, use it, and be done, hmm. and then kind of be pressured in. And this is coming from my talk with Justin and with Mike um, because. What Justin was get, like saying was that Crystal was really pressuring him about the bag of meth if, that he had apparently bought that day.
0: Pressuring him to buy it or to use it?
1: To, to use it. To give it to her.
0: To give it to her. To use. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Why can't she buy her own drugs?
1: Um, that's a good question. (laughs) I don't know if she has any money or if she just, that was their thing and she relied on him to Mm -hmm. buy her. Yeah. Well, I think, honestly, like, really, if he does it with her, then she's not the bad guy, right?
0: Right, right. Which is a very common, you know, even alcoholics will say, like, have a drink with me, you know. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have to do it alone. Right. So that makes sense. Okay, so um at this point you know we kind of know the timeline at 10 a.m shane comes home that's the story um ray says he drops off an envelope of drugs for shane does not collect money because he is not a drug dealer according to him um and he's just the delivery a delivery boy essentially like a mule so that's that's the story i got um <laughs> okay <laughs> and so he takes his envelope and ray ray asks him and this is coming from the family who's spoken to ray multiple times but in person and they ask ray okay so he gets the drugs then what he says oh well i asked shane um what are you doing after this they smoke a, they smoke a joint together or whatever and he said what are you doing after this shane says oh i gotta go back to work and um ray says that he was planning on going up to like Cougar Dam to hunt for blue quartz rocks. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but something like that. Okay. (laughs) So then Shane takes off and is never seen again. He does not show up at work back at work because there are cameras at that job site. And I spoke with the owner of the job site and he never came back. And he had um, subcontractors that were supposed to be meeting him there later. He no showed, right? Which was unusual. Um, And so from there, when did you hear that he went missing? And how did you hear that he went missing?
1: Uh, Alicia Young contacted me, uh, and asking if I had heard about Shane. And I said, No, you know, what are you talking about? And, and she said, um, Shane's been missing. Uh, when was this? That might have been Thursday, Friday, Thursday or Friday of the week that he went because he went missing on a Tuesday. Right? right. Yep. A Tuesday yeah, so it was that? Yeah, see, I remember it was yeah. Thursday or Friday um that she contacted me about it and told me all the details that she had and that Crystal, what I was told originally, she said that Crystal didn't call anyone until Thursday or Friday um, and that things were awful suspicious. And then she was telling me that she was she does his taxes every year. Mm -hmm. And they were supposed to sit down and do his taxes. I cannot remember if it was supposed to be on Tuesday or it was that week. They -hmm. were supposed to meet and do the taxes. And he told Alicia he needed to go and pull out, I believe it was $10,000 for his taxes.
0: Pull it out. Pull it out of what?
1: Uh, the bank, I would assume ATM, well, not an ATM, but, okay. um,
0: like money he had in his account that he needed to withdraw.
1: That's what it sounded like to pay for his, whatever tax stuff he had going on. I don't okay. honestly know. Yeah. Yeah. Details.
0: Okay. So he contacts her. He, he, needs to get some money out of taxes in one way or another, but he does not ever make it to that appointment
1: nope that was it that was the last time she heard from him he didn't show to the appointment so she had tried i believe she tried to call or text him
0: uh-huh
1: and she said there was nothing um and that was it and then she found out um justin actually used to live near them for a short while um i believe it was after, was it after the fire i cannot remember that But uh, pretty recently, so they were uh, Brandon and Alicia, that's her husband, they were pretty close with Justin.
0: Okay. Okay, so um, you get that call, you know, Shane's missing, and then you end up actually searching for him with um, his family after they arrived. Is that right?
1: Yes, with his uh, well, his sister um, searched with us. His mom uh, stayed in the truck, and also she spoke to the sheriff. The day that we went to look, the sheriff was at Shane's truck. Shane's truck was still in the spot that it was parked. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talked to him while we searched, and then the tow truck also showed up while we were searching. Um,
0: okay, so and that's went, off... And then- That's off that logging road, right? So that's logging road 1501.
1: Yes, that would be what we refer to as Mill Creek. So it cuts over from Blue River. It'll take you to the golf course or further up on the ridge. But um, so he was where the truck was. He wasn't on the actual logging road. He was just on a little pullout. Like somebody could be camping in their nice wide area with no trees that's where his truck was okay and it was visible from the main road it wasn't far off the road
0: did you get a chance to take a look inside
1: no i did not we didn't stop
0: Hmm. okay so they tow that away and while you're searching um how how do you guys go about organizing that and what what did you do
1: Um, There was a a search and rescue volunteer with us. I cannot remember his name. Um, Is it Rocky? Yeah. Okay. okay. Yes. Rocky. Rocky was with us. um, And he basically, uh, he had a map and he showed us the area and how they do it. And he said, you know, I'm not telling you how to do it, but this is how they do it. And so we did. How search and rescue would do and we separated um in the woods and just walked the whole area that we were trying to cover
0: like a grid yeah okay yeah and while you were there i mean we've talked about this previously but um so while you guys are searching justin is kind of chatting with you pretty consistently through the whole thing and what are you guys talking about
1: um so we talked about a few different things mainly you know what we were doing and what was going on um we were smoking some pot and just bullshitting and he went on and on and on and on about what was going on Mm -hmm. which kind of left me with more questions because he he really didn't seem to understand you know what was going on I mean of course he did and does but Um,
0: like was he seeming scared like he was taking it super seriously or at this point is it kind of like he's going to show up he's probably just
1: um, Justin I think at that time Justin really thought he was just going to come
0: back yeah
1: Um, honestly yeah that's the vibe that I got the feeling that I got I asked Justin as he's telling me the story of everything and how Crystal was acting and just different things you know I said do you think Crystal would have done anything? Like, I honestly did not think that, but I just thought to ask. And he stopped walking and paused, and he hadn't really thought about it, and which was interesting. He but hadn't thought he about said, it? There's times that she gets really angry and screams, but he said most of the time he would just leave. So, didn't really have an answer to that one, but... Um,
0: Any violence... Any history of violence between the two that you know of?
1: Not that I know of, no. Okay. Um, I mean, the way I've seen her when she's drinking, I could see her just black out, you know, off off the handle. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, and there's so many rumors floating around, which is really hard. Honestly, I don't like to say things for a fact that I've heard... Second hand <laughs> because, you know, things get messed around and I have given Crystal many an opportunity to speak for herself. Um and yeah. Uh, she just doesn't
1: seem to want to.
0: Well, she does actually talk to me, but not in a um coherent way. More just like I man, yeah, I can't even I can't even read those out loud on, on like on there. It is a... Uh, yeah, she's very vulgar, very hostile. Oh um, very angry. She seems very angry. So we she agreed to speak with me, but then, you know, as I'm asking her questions, she would just throw insults and curse and it's a uh, it's a whole thing. And then halfway through our conversation when she didn't I assume she just didn't like the questions I was asking anymore, she said, "You know what? This is not Crystal. This is Poncho." <laughs> and I said, what do you mean this is Poncho? She said, yeah, no, this is not Crystal. This is Poncho. I don't even know these people. I've just been messing with you this whole time. Oh, my God. But we've been talking about details of, of like, their lives that um, surely a stranger would not know. So, you know, take it for what it is. But for whatever reason, she doesn't want to talk. Um, That's her prerogative. But it is interesting when there are so many people that are throwing suspicion her way, That she would continue to behave like this. Right. You know?
1: Innocent. You you know, why would you not? I, that's, yeah. It has baffled me, her behavior the whole time.
0: Yes, me as well. And she was not with you that day that you guys were searching. Is that right?
1: That's right.
0: And what was the reasoning behind that? Did anybody ever offer you a reason for that?
1: Uh, no, I did ask. Um, and pretty much what I got from Justin was that she did not want to look.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I've gotten as well. I just don't want to. Yeah, like you what? You just don't want to? I'm I'm uh wow, that's so incredibly unrelatable. If my husband went missing, I would never come home because I would just be out there looking for him all the time. Right. And I would be leading search parties, and I would be. I would be calling newscasters, like I would be crazy.
1: It's insane.
0: So it is very sad to me that that is supposed to be Shane's other half, you know, the person that he gave himself to, that he's married to, he said till death do us part, and she is absolutely uninterested in his return. So we'll take that for whatever it is. I don't know what that means, but it doesn't look great.
1: No, it's awful suspicious.
0: It is. So what's the feeling around town? Like, what what does everybody kind of think happened? Or what, like, what do people say about this now?
1: Oh, it's interesting. Actually, there's a lot of different thought. I um, know some old timers here that um, seem to be convinced that he's gone. Um, I have talked to other people that think, like you had mentioned that they um, go, they wanted to go missing, mm-hmm. um, which is a really hard one for me. I'm like, what? Yeah, me um, too. Especially somebody like Shane. He had so much going on in his life,
0: and what a weird time to do it! Just in the middle of the day on a Tuesday, while you have all this stuff, you know, like,
1: uh, yeah,
0: you don't take your dog, you don't take a bag of clothes, just nothing.
1: No. No, and he he was picking mushrooms and had his truck with all his tools. That's just not like he wouldn't have left that. There's no way. Hmm. He was he was on that logging road, which is a main road. He knows that road. They were actually logging right around the corner from where he went missing, where his truck was. That mm-hmm. doesn't and you could hear it. the the logging operation from where his truck was. There's no way there was people right there. It's just like...
0: Yeah, I've actually been trying extremely hard to get a hold of those loggers because um, they're like the last people who have a real eyewitness account of Shane at 4.45 in the morning, which doesn't go with the rest of the timeline that everybody else is telling us
1: no that's strange
0: yes so i um well i'd heard from the family that ray said to them that the logging company that was working out there was from out of state and that they were logging trees that he didn't think that they should be logging whatever that means Hmm. um but that turned out not to be true. <laughs> I called and they called the department of forestry and I found out exactly what company, um, it's a company called future logging and they are from Springfield. S- yeah. So, you know, right down the road, basically. Um, and it's yeah. a small crew, but I cannot for the life of me, get them to return my phone calls. So what? I know it's such a bummer. It's a really small company and they have five employees. Like it's tiny. And, You know, sometimes with podcasts and just people, I mean, to them, I'm just a stranger, I'm not police, I'm not a PI, like they have no obligation to talk to me, for sure. I just kind of assume, you know, if you have nothing to hide, and you just give your account, why not give it to one more person if it helps out even a little? That's my thought.
1: I I feel the same way. If you have nothing to hide,
0: then you can talk right
1: understand
0: that <laughs> yeah but you know i don't know maybe it's that that happened on the job or i don't know so for whatever reason i can't get a hold of them but i would love to hear that account of that 445 encounter because what was going on in that car? I mean, did they seem like they were under the influence? Did they seem like they were angry? Were they in a fight? Did he seem hurt? Did she seem hurt? Did they seem dirty? I have a mazillion questions. Was he, uh, did he look alive? Yes. Was he interacting? Did he speak? Um, The man in the back, was he old? Was he young? Was he, you know, I I, yeah, I have so many questions, but I may not ever get the answer to those. Hmm. But future? I'm not going to stop trying. <laughs> future, yes, future logging in Springfield. Hmm. So, and and it was kind of a pain to get that information because it was kind of a while ago now, and they're not even logging for timber. Like, I mean, when when I heard that Ray said that they were logging trees, they shouldn't be logging, I assumed, oh, they're logging for timber, and he's unhappy that they're cutting down trees, right? Like, Ooh. that would be like a general guess but um that's not true they're actually working on clearing the burned trees from the fire Mm -hmm. so all helpful things you know right um but yeah we'll see if that ever goes anywhere i have a little bit of hope that's like my hail mary in this case is like maybe a logger will show up and give me a first-hand account of what happened that day because nobody knows
1: what the heck
0: i know yeah,
1: 4.45. I had heard that they had seen, supposedly seen three people in a car, but I hadn't heard that it was that early in the morning.
0: Yeah, 4.45, which is interesting because at 4 a.m., um, Crystal and Shane, and this is confirmed by the detective, are actually texting back and forth. So how did we get from text- and And Crystal has said that she never saw him at all that whole day. So didn't see him at 10 o'clock when he came home, didn't see him ever again after that. Mm. But they're texting back and forth because he's lost, according to them, and um, she's basically saying, tough luck, Um, I'm going to send Ray up there with some supplies for you, which makes zero sense. Um, Why would you send supplies as opposed to just bringing him home with you? Right. Um, But what's even weirder than that is that then at 445, they're in a car together headed in in towards the truck not out towards their house so why are you guys at 445 headed in up Mill Creek like north what I don't understand that at all so it makes her timeline not true and just puts a huge question mark I just have no idea why they would be going that direction with a third person which means it can't just be all Crystal Crystal's the only one lying and she you know somebody else knows what happened Right. So was it Ray? Was it Eric? Was it Justin? I don't know. Everybody oh, has an alibi.
1: Right. Wow.
0: <laughs> so that is a huge question mark for me. The other one um, that you and I have talked about, and I, I spoke with Mike about it too, is since all this went down, um, you know, we talked about that Shane's first property burned to the ground, then he moved to a second property, but since Shane went missing, there has been quite a bit of activity on his burned-down property. Right. So, what what activity do you know about?
1: Um. So, what I've noticed more recently. I don't remember when we had spoken about it, but it was not long before that. Um, I was going downriver to Blue River. And right uh, around the corner from Shane's in the bike lane is a trailer, a burnt-up trailer um, with a bunch of burnt metal on it that was clearly pulled from Shane's. There was drag marks in the highway pulled from Shane's there. Then Mike uh, said, actually, it was, uh, they think it was Ray Ray because... Just before that, Ray Ray was uh, seen taking a burnt toolbox from Shane's property on a John Deere tractor from Shane's original burnt property to his property at the museum where he's staying. And asked Ray Ray about that and what he was doing, and he said that he had given that to Shane.
0: He had given it to so, Shane and now was taking it back?
1: I, uh, yes. Even though it's yeah. all burned. Right. It is nothing. It's a burnt metal box. It's not good for anything. And then when I came back up um, from Blue River, there was actually uh, ODOT and uh, OSP, Oregon State Police, there at the trailer. Um, and the trailer has since been pulled back onto the property.
0: So was Ray actually burning something or he was just moving the burned stuff? Moving the burned stuff. Okay. So he wasn't actually lighting anything on fire because I had heard it had changed yeah. a couple times. Like, did, did he burn the toolbox or someone else burn the toolbox?
1: Well, I think the toolbox had gone through the fire. Um, okay.
0: Because
1: what I had learned from Mike was that it was, a, it was totally burnt charred and that's Everything in the fire that was metal that survived was like,
0: that. but if it was trash, why would you want it back?
1: Um, honestly, I don't know, but I believe by the fact that that trailer was moved and there was a bunch of burnt metal on it, somebody was trying to get scrap money out of it.
0: ah, okay, that that makes a little bit more sense, okay. so. So, they're thinking, Shane's gone, here's some stuff on his property that could be worth something, I'll just...
1: He's not gonna miss it,
0: right? Right. Well, um, <laughs> I mean, if you don't know what happened to him and you assume that he's gonna come back someday, maybe he would miss it. But if you don't think he's coming back... Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Um, A couple other interesting things. So, that's the toolbox, the trailer, all that. So... In talking to people about what could have happened to Shane, you know, something that keeps coming up, meth is a big problem up there, for sure, we know that, mm-hmm. but also a second issue, um, more recently, is fentanyl, mm-hmm. and I don't know where this information came from, but somewhere along the line, um, again, I hate saying it second-hand or third-hand, but Somebody told me that the best way to get rid of somebody is to put fentanyl in your drugs and that Crystal would know that and that Crystal maybe has some experience with fentanyl and that the fentanyl dealer around town maybe knows them and is somewhere connected to all of that. So that certainly comes to my mind um, if he could have been, I mean, poisoned essentially like somebody laced his drugs he thought he was getting something and he was getting something else
1: did you hear about um the overdoses that have happened here within the last couple years i have a very good friend here who dabbles in meth and we had a conversation a month ago about how he has tried to stay away because of the fentanyl
0: it will kill you Yeah, It will kill you. Do not do it. But uh, the problem is a lot of these people don't even know that they're doing it because, like you said, it's being laced. So you don't... You don't know. (laughs) You don't know. And it takes like smaller than a pinky nail, tiny, tiny amount to kill you.
1: Yep.
0: It's terrifying. It's enough to make you, I mean, for me, like, no risking. I wouldn't risk anything that could be laced with that.
1: Heck no. So... And that's a friend of them. My friend, like, that's a struggle. He definitely has an addiction problem, but knows that that's happening right now.
0: Yeah, and that's that's so messed up.
1: It's really, really interesting, the dynamic there, because the fentanyl is real, and it's definitely here. There's no doubt about it.
0: Well, and there's rumors, again second, third hand, I don't know, down the grapevine that perhaps Crystal has dabbled in giving people drugs that they didn't know they were getting in the past. Oh, Um, I know. And some trafficking issues in Florida and just all kinds of very sketchy things that kind of play into that. But again, Does that make her guilty of doing something to Shane? No, it doesn't. Does it make me raise my eyebrows? You better believe it.
1: (laughs) Most certainly.
0: Because there is, I mean, we are running out of tallies here for the amount of weird stuff that's going on on her side of the story. And I would love to talk to her and get a coherent sentence that tells me something different, but it's just not happening. So I don't know if she did something. And if she did, let's say just devil's advocate, let's say she did give him drugs, he overdosed on fentanyl, then what? How come we haven't found him? Right. Where's his body? Right. That would take another person. Like, I I refuse to believe that Crystal's out there dragging his body around, burying it herself. Sorry. I
1: don't think she even could. No. In the state that she physically and mentally has been, I don't think she even could.
0: Right. So who's the third guy in the car?
1: And where did, like, why it's so uh, there's talk all the time up here about how you could dig a hole and nobody would ever find you, but it's just kind of like, that's a joke.
0: Right. Yeah. It's
1: it's, hard to believe that these people would be out here digging a hole or I don't even, I don't know. How do you get rid of a body? But it's like, how is the, how are these dogs not picking up any scent?
0: Well, just was it last week or the week i think it was the week before um i learned that skeletal remains were found at cougar dam really but they were so burned that they were going to be difficult to id and the law enforcement like the remains were burned like the body was burned what? Um but the law enforcement source says that they believe that that was prior to the fire and that the the burn is from the fire. But I just have to wonder
1: do you have like the coordinates on where they found it?
0: I don't. I could try and find out, but I know it was up Cougar Dam and they had it all roped off. It was I believe it was the week before last. What? 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 Yes. Um and They're going to try and send it in, but they, I mean, this, this detective was, he said a thousand percent sure it was not Shane, which Um, I, how
1: the fuck would you know
0: that? Yes. sorry, Sorry. Exactly. No, it, no, I, I, uh, Cougar Dam is very high on my list of places to look for Shane for several reasons. Um, one just keeps coming up. You know, Justin was over there the day after Shane went missing. Ray Ray was over there the day Shane went missing. It's the only body of water that's not moving around um, that, you know, if you put a body in the river, it's coming up somewhere. Right. Um, But if you put a body in a dam, you might get away with it for a little bit longer.
1: Right. Because that, I don't know if you've watched the water level on Cougar. I was just there two days ago, and I'd say it's about half full, and Cougar goes up and down. They empty it accordingly. So, yeah, eventually.
0: Right. You don't have forever, but you might have longer than you would if you put them in the river.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So, I'm very curious what turns up. I mean, law enforcement says that they're a 1,000% sure I'm going to just go out on a limb and say that they have information that I don't have. I hope so. That's making them that sure. sure. Um, But... Nonetheless, I am very curious about that.
1: Well, now I want to know. I spend a lot of time up there. Um, that's very interesting because I didn't hear anything about it.
0: Mm, I'll try to get you the coordinates.
1: What the fuck?
0: Right? It's wild, man. Uh,
1: yeah, because if I got the coordinates, then I could just go there. And if it's in the burn, then yeah.
0: Then you okay. know, right. I exactly. I
1: believe it. Not 100%, but...
0: Like, what? That body was just laying there all this time? Like, I have. I mean, that's kind of odd, but. It could happen. Could happen.
1: Because if it was. Like, that, that, yeah, that seems a little far fetched. The fire's been almost two years.
0: Right. So, and- yeah, it really just leaves me to more questions. But, I mean, they take their time, they do their process, and it has to be just right in order for it to be admissible in court. So, it has to just kind of go through its process. But. I am definitely keeping tabs on that one.
1: That's crazy. I know it. So and I don't. I have not heard that through the grapevine. So
0: that means like nobody knows. That's really here. interesting. That nobody knows that. Hmm. Well, yeah, I'm going to try to yeah. dig something up on that and see if I can get some, and then have you check it out because that would be good. To, that would be good to cross off our list.
1: Well, maybe. I mean, even what better way to like get rid of somebody then make it look like
0: right you know, it's not them and this was totally an act of god what are we talking about some criminal mastermind here I don't think so <laughs> I mean the the people we got playing like our, our players here in the game are, are not criminal masterminds
1: right and that's what keeps baffling me it's is like, just
0: how, I'm like how could <sighs> these people get away with this I know I, that, yes I'm like I'm sorry, I feel like a fairly above average intelligence person and there is no possible way that people who are absolutely whacked out of their mind on drugs are pulling this wool over all of these people's eyes and people that are looking into it extensively and they're all like, what are you like a trained assassin? I don't think so. (laughs) Sorry, no, I can't. So (laughs) I'm just like, why has this not unraveled yet?
1: It's very strange. We talk about it all the
0: time, actually. It's so weird and so annoying. (laughs) I'm just like, no, I need to know, and his family needs to know, and we can't just, like, this isn't just going to fizzle out and go away, and we just never know.
1: No, not
0: at all. It would be devastating. So
1: Yeah, we talk about it all the time, and every time we're in that area, it's just any time I drive by on the highway in the area, I can't help but think about it.
0: Yeah, I bet. I bet. And just
1: run circles. And I do the same thing with my friends. We talk about it and we're just going in circles.
0: Yep. It's maddening. I'm going to definitely follow up on that cougar Dam thing and I'll let you know. Um, For sure. And then I'm going to chat with Mike on Monday and we'll see... uh, I'm really kind of still hoping Justin will talk to me. I feel like getting Mike might maybe push him over the edge. I don't know. We'll see. sure.
1: Did you tell him that you were talking to me?
0: I did not. I told him that I talked to Mike and he had nothing but great things to say about him cuz we do text. He's he tells me he doesn't want to talk to me but then he does a little bit yeah. here and there. Like I can tell he's a nice guy and like I think he's bored. <laughs> and he's a great guy. um he really so is. yeah, we chat about football, golf, some other stuff, but like I'm like, I can help you help yourself. Yeah, let me help you, please. If you're
1: innocent, which I believe Justin is wholeheartedly, it's like, why, what do you guys not have to say? Yes,
0: let me help you help yourself. Uh, but I can't force it. So it is what it is. We'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, a little bit at a time. Hopefully Mike can, yeah, get Justin to
0: yeah. Him.
1: Feel free to tell him you talk to me. I don't know if that's gonna help at all or not, but uh, all right, I will. Yeah, it's like, dude, what are you doing? Let's,
0: yeah, let's do this.
1: So, what are you waiting for? For real? Maybe, I, don't know. I don't know. Maybe I heard that he was trying, you know, to actually get straight. So
0: yes, and I hope that's the case. You know, maybe that he just needed some time.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I hope. I hope the best for him. He's really struggled. I I do, too. He's just like the biggest teddy bear goofball. (laughs) Hmm.
0: Yeah, I hope that this is a wake-up call and he'll straighten out. I have a feeling he will, actually. So we'll see what happens.
1: He's got a whole life ahead of him.
0: Yeah, and he's got a good support system at home, it sounds like, too. So.
1: He does. I don't know if you had heard anything. Apparently, uh, Justin's family had been uh, contacted by Shane's family and not the quite the friendliest of manner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but it's like... I uh, think they live
0: pretty close to each other. I'm pretty sure they're actually friends. I don't know if they are now, but...
1: Right. Which um, is unfortunate. It is sad.
0: It's just another ripple effect from this whole thing. Yeah. So well, thank you so much for chatting with me. I feel like it's so helpful to get a local perspective and just kind of talk some of this stuff out. That's all, you know, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. So I really appreciate you and all the time you've put in. Like people don't really get to see it through the podcast interview, but you know, we've been chatting for a month and you answer my questions and make phone calls and all kinds of stuff that you totally don't have to do. So I really appreciate all of your help.
1: Whatever I can do to help, by all means. I mean, his family deserves some kind of answer. Yeah. It's driving us crazy not knowing. I cannot even imagine what his mother is going through.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And the way his mom was acting and the fact that he left his dog, that just seals the deal for me. He did not go on his own free will.
0: Right. Yep. There's no way. I totally agree.
1: And all his sisters, you know, it's like, yeah, no, no, no that no relationship way. that they had, there, nope. and the
0: dog, the dog. Yeah, he would have taken, well, he would have taken perfect. Greta with him for sure.
1: There's no way.
0: So yeah, that's out for me as well. But we'll see. You know, the truth has a has a way of coming out, one way or another. Yeah, I hope. I hope so. Later. Me too. Me too. Well, all right. I will. Um, I'll get those coordinates to you. I'll see if I can track that down, and we'll do a little more digging.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I'll take a friend out there and we'll go look around. Cool. That sounds great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Megan.
1: Yeah. Thank you for everything you're doing.
0: You're so welcome. Thank you. And uh, we'll chat soon.
1: Okay. Sounds good.
0: All right. Bye bye. Bye. I was learning quickly in this case and starting to build an idea of what Shane's life looked like and who the people in his life were. In the timeline, it always stood out to me that Justin said that he was installing a washer and dryer for Mike. I really wanted to be able to check on that. And Megan was able to put me in contact with Mike so I could do just that. We've been asked how our listeners can contribute to the show. So we set up an account with Patreon. Check out the link in our show notes if you're interested in supporting our cause. You can also find it on our website, NowhereToBeFoundPodcast.com.